This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning, Journey. I'm Woody. I always forget to say that for some reason, and I kind of got used to it because my name's usually up here anyway, so. But uh, I'm Woody, and uh, I need to explain a little bit about what's going on, I think. Here it is. Last week, very special, big celebration, and I thought it went great. Our, our ladies who, who put that on were fantastic, and uh, sharing the skit and everything just went real well as we said a, a farewell to the Merricks. It has been three weeks since Joe resigned. Seems a lot longer, doesn't it? it it's, that it's, it's only three weeks, and yet there's been so much crammed into those three weeks that it really, it seems like big changes, well, big changes have taken place. That's the thing. There's been some big changes, and we have more big changes coming. Um, I, I kind of like to say that we're going to get back to normal, but we're not. <laughs> it's going to be something new, something different, something out of the ordinary, and we'll just find out what that is. But for three weeks, we got a plan. <laughs> Uh, and the plan is that we will work through the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to try to walk us through some things for the next three Sundays um, and try to look at this book. For years, every summer, Journey has taken a look at one book of the Bible in order to go deeper. And this week, we, or this year, this summer, we had chosen Ephesians, and so we thought we'd go ahead with that. Uh, now, what we're doing in the meantime as well is that uh, our leadership team this week met with our state associate director, Demetrius. Uh, he came down here to talk to us about the process of what our next steps were, are going to be and how to go about them. That was just Tuesday, and uh, the idea is that we will find someone to be interim pastor who will come on Sunday mornings and preach maybe up to a period of six months, at least three months, maybe up to a period of six months. And that will start at the end of June, 1st of July, hopefully. Uh, we are meeting with two people this week to see if they might be available to do that for us. And then from that step, we will work our way forward. So in the meantime, we have the next three weeks to kind of catch our breath, to look forward to the future, and also to hear what God is saying to us in the book of Ephesians. So... As we start today, there are a couple of things that I want to cover, and there's some things that we're not going to be able to cover. So those become homework. I used to teach, if you didn't know that. And you always give homework, okay? So this is your homework. And if you're a typical college student, you're not going to do it. <laughs> but I have to give it out anyway, and you will be graded on it, okay? Somewhere. I don't know how. But anyway, somehow... We had a video that I was going to show. It's, it's the same videos that you've seen uh, over and over again, where the guy comes out and starts to draw a little picture about what's the actual contents of a, of a book of the Bible. I like those. I think they're really neat. Well, we, we had four of us back there trying to get it to work, and one of the four was not Mike. We needed Mike today. We didn't get it to work. So uh, that's your one uh, homework assignment is to go, and you can just simply Google Ephesians and you want to find the one that says The Bible Project, and it's about an eight-and-a-half-minute video 
that actually gives you a little summary of what the book is saying. Uh, I think those are very informative as well as it gives you a very good idea of the content of the book. That's one thing. Second homework assignment, read Ephesians. Uh, last year, we had a really great thing worked out on the YouVersion app where you could go on and it gave you a, a scripture reading. It, last year, we did Philippians. And so it was, uh, they gave you a little piece of Philippians and then they gave you a little devotional. And then you could write comments on there. And everybody would see them, all the people that had signed up to do that. And, and you could also check on each other to see who had read what. And sometimes we were behind, and I think somebody got ahead of us even. But anyway, I couldn't find one of those for Ephesians. It didn't work the same, in other words. Uh, but you can still read Ephesians. You might be on your own, but you can read the book, okay? Two, two homework assignments. Read Ephesians and look at that Bible project video on Ephesians. You can write that down. You know, you have a little pen there, and you have a piece of paper. You can just write that down so you don't forget, right? You can do that, huh? <laughs> okay. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you for this day, for your great outpouring of love upon us. And we just look to you for your direction, for your power at work in our lives, in this church, and across this whole world, Lord. Open your word to us today that we can truly see what you are saying to us, to hear your message and to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Ephesians is not a very long letter, uh, but it is a letter. It's a, we call it a book because it's in the Bible, but it is a letter. Uh, maybe one day we'll talk about who wrote the letter. Uh, we typically say it is a Pauline letter because it's associated with the Apostle Paul. But um, I hopefully will shock you to say Paul actually didn't write anything himself. He had a scribe that was always writing things down for him. And we know that in particular because in Galatians there's one particular verse at the end of the, uh, end of the book that Paul says, see with what large letters I am writing this. And it was because he had taken the parchment or the papyrus or whatever it was that, he was, that his scribe was using, and he had, he had wanted to put his own letters in a certain place so that the people would know for sure that this is actually coming from Paul and not somebody who's pretending to be Paul. So I... That's not a really big deal, is it, that uh, Paul is not actually using a pen and writing things himself. He's probably dictating some of these letters to a scribe. And I think with Ephesians, it looks more like he's probably preached a sermon, and then he goes out and he tells somebody, hey, I want you to take what I just said and make it into a letter and send it out to all the churches. And that person might have had a little bit more freedom to actually express what Paul was saying there, because this book is a little different book. And in fact, one reason that makes it different is because it was a, a letter that did go out to many churches and not just to one church. The city of Ephesus is 
where the name Ephesians comes from. Ephesus, I think I'm skipping ahead of my slide presenter, but let me see that map, and I'll just try to give you an idea. If you can see that red arrow there, that's supposed to be Asia Minor, Turkey today. And right on the shore, just off the shore a little bit, is the city of Ephesus, a very important city 2,000 years ago. Uh, and Paul went there, and he started preaching, and he gathered people together, formed a church, and then from that one city, he sent people out to all cities around the area, and they established churches in all of those cities. And in fact, when we read the book of Revelation, we see letters to seven churches, and all seven of those churches are churches that Paul started while he was doing ministry in Ephesus. And one of those churches is Colossians, Colossae, I should say. And we get from Colossae, we get the book, Colossians. So there's a big connection here. Uh, we read about Ephesus in particular when Paul goes there. It's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. We see how Paul went there and ran into trouble. That was typical of Paul. <laughs> He'd go someplace and get into trouble and have to move on. But what he did then was to, to start these churches in these cities that were able to grow, that were able to do more, that were able to, to preach God's message and bring people the word of God. Here we have Ephesians as a, uh, a vital message for who we are as the church. That's the whole point of the book of Ephesians, to talk about the church as the body we are the body. What body? The body of Jesus. We are one body with Christ as our head. Now, that includes us. Journey Church is one part of the church worldwide, and all churches everywhere joining together form this body with Christ as head. We are all members of one another. We are all joined together into this church. We have this united body of which we are a part. That's the important part of Ephesians here, that we are joined together. And if you will go watch that video in particular, it talks about that there is two words that Paul uses over and over again. There is we on one side and you on the other. And he's talking really about Jews and Gentiles, or Jews and non-Jews. Because God had given the message first to the Jews, but now through Jesus, Paul is saying that message has brought all people together. Everybody is brought into Jesus' arms. Everybody is brought into God's plan. And that is the huge message of the book of Ephesians. Paul talks about it as a mystery in a couple places. He uses that word mystery. And he's not trying to say it's a secret, but it's something that God has made known that wasn't known before, but it's the plan that God had all along. And in chapter 3, verse 6, we see maybe a very simple message, but this is what uh, Ephesians 3, 6 the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. That really is big news. 
at least 2,000 years ago. Now it's kind of old stuff for us. I hope it is anyway, or else we wouldn't even be here because we're part of the non-Jews. I'm assuming we don't have any, any, anybody who's Jewish here, do we? We're part of the non-Jew side of it. And it's really good news for us that what God did for the Jews, he has now also done for us in Jesus Christ. That message is really such a simple message for us today. That's why we're here. But 2,000 years ago, this was shocking news. Unbelievable. You mean this was God's plan from the very beginning? Yes, Paul is saying. From the very beginning, this is what God had in mind, that he would take Abraham and develop Abraham and all of his Abraham's descendants to give them his word, to give them the message so that when the time was right, they would be able to share that message with the world. And when Jesus Christ came, he was announcing that now is the time. Now it is the time of knowing what God's plan is. Now is the time. And sorry to say that the Jews didn't like that message. And a lot of them refused to hear that message at that time. But the ones who did joined with their new brothers and sisters, the Gentiles, and came together to form the one body that God had intended all along. And the whole the idea really here is that in the church, every race, every nation, every color, everybody in the world will be able to join together and receive what God has always intended for us. That happens because we come together in Jesus, in him. I want to read uh, the opening verses here to the book of Ephesians. Actually, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And I don't have these on a slide because I'm going to kind of stop and go a little bit as we work our way through here. But if you have a phone, if you want to, to follow along, or maybe you brought your Bible, and as you do, uh, it would be a good idea to, to highlight some of these things that you're gonna, I'm going to emphasize here, especially those words, in Christ or in Him. And notice what he's really saying to us here about who Jesus is and what He means for us. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And typical, Paul starts out with this, this opening word of praise, of, of wonder at what God is doing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Now, if you, I don't know if, if your phone, you might be able to uh, click on that and highlight those words. Or if you have a pen, I, I don't know if you want to underline it in, your, in an actual Bible. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes people don't like to do that. But in Christ, and notice how many times now that's going to pop up who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. There he's changed the word, but he means the same person, doesn't he? And in fact, when he uses that phrase, beloved, 
he's actually referring to uh, Christ's baptism. John the Baptist was baptizing. Jesus came to John and, and said, you must baptize me as well. And John kind of refused at first. But Jesus said, this, allow this to happen. And Jesus went down into the water and came back up. And as he came up, it was like a dove coming down from heaven, landing upon him. And then there was a voice that said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So in the beloved, in Jesus. And then again, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Mary is the first time Paul uses that word. The mystery. Maybe some of that is simply the fact that we can't really comprehend what God's plan is. We can't fully grasp all the things that God wants to do. It's a mystery to us. But we have come to discover that what God is doing through Jesus Christ is to bring all people together in Him. He has made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things according to His counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. In Him, you also... When you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Now right there, you can see how this is developing. And let's just... As an, as an overview, as a quick way of looking at this, there are three big messages that uh, Paul is trying to get across in this letter. The first is this. We are one community, one body. We live in Jesus. So let's be united together. Or maybe I should even say, we are united together. God has brought us together. And we have to work to maintain that unity. That's our responsibility, to work together so that divisions don't come in. Because there are so many things that try to divide us. Second, that Christ is our head. And so we live in submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. And he, he's being very physical about this image. We are the body, Christ is the head. The head with the brain sends the signals to the body and tells the body what to do. So we submit to the head. We submit to the lordship of Christ. And then third, that we live different kinds of life. We change the way that we are living from the old way to the new. And in, in chapter 4, Paul is going to give us a, an example of that where he says, it's just like changing your clothes. You take your old clothes off, and you put on new clothes. 
And actually there again, it's an image of baptism. When the early church baptized people, typically in a river or a lake, and the person would go down into the water and rise back up as a new believer in Christ, and they would put a new robe on them, dress them in a new, a whole new wardrobe to show that their life was changed. They were now to live a different kind of life. So here in these opening verses of Ephesians, Paul is introducing these things that he's going to say all the way through the book. And that first major emphasis there is that we are in Christ. I hope I've emphasized that enough. Probably a little bit annoying, isn't it? I intended it that way because I want you to really hear that. Paul keeps saying we are in Christ. And really, he's trying to draw a comparison there. He's saying you are no longer part of the world, but you are now in Christ. It's this whole new sphere of reference for you. It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new idea, a whole new approach to what our life is about. Now, of course, we are still in the world. But that's what Paul wanted us to see. Even though the world is all around us, we are now living in this new community, this new body. We are bound together with one another. And I thought it was so great that George is bringing up those one another verses this morning. So many verses in the New Testament do talk about how we love one another, how we support one another, build up one another. Because we are one body. And how we live together as that body is so vital for us. We are joined together as Journey Church. We live and move and breathe and and relate to one another as disciples of Jesus. And it is that body then that the world sees and that the world receives what God has planned. Jesus Christ is still here. He is on earth. Because we are his body. We do the work of Jesus. We carry on the same ministry that Jesus had when he was here. Yes, in literal terms, Jesus is in heaven. But he is also here. He unites us together. He lives in us and works through us to prepare the world for what God has in store so that the world can truly see what God wants. It's a change. There needs to be a change for us. It's a change in values. It's a change in our purpose. It changes all of our hopes, our dreams. It changes our whole outlook on life because we see things as God intended them to be. And that's what Paul is talking about by this mystery. God has revealed to us this mystery. That there is something that is happening in the world that God wants to bring about a change, a transformation. And it will come through the church, through Christ's body. That will change the world. You know what the American dream is? And you hear it might be expressed in different ways from different people. American dream, to own your own home, to live free, 
to be able to make the choices that you want to make, whatever that might be. We talk about that um, in, in several different kinds of ways. And when I hear those things, I say, yeah, I, I understand what that means. I, I like those things. Or we can read um, the uh, Constitution and talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that what we're about? And yet as Christians, we need to come to an understanding that there is something other than the American dream that really drives us. Now, we'll still live out in our own way what the American dream is, but it will be different. Um, there's a commercial that's running now. I don't know if you, I think it's on one of the CNBC or some other cable channel. I'm not really sure. I, I've seen it a couple times, but it's a grandfather, and you see him, it, it opens up. He's looking at this catalog. That might show you his age, for one thing. He's looking at a catalog of cars, a car that he has wanted his entire life. And now he's retired, now he has this, uh, a little bit of, of comfort, a little bit of ease, and he looks at this car and says, I really want this car. I've wanted it my entire life. And then in the next shot, you see he's at dinner with his son and his son's family. And his son said, my job was just transferred, I have to move. But my daughter only has one year of high school left. Is it possible that she could stay here with you and live out you know, in your house in order to finish that last year of high school. And so grandpa says yes. And it changes a lot of things. Uh, but at the, the end of the, I mean, this is all in a 30-second commercial. <laughs> at the end of the commercial, uh, grandpa gives his granddaughter a brand-new car. And she stops him and says, Grandpa, what happened to your dream? Why are you doing this? And he says, this is my dream now. That's the kind of change that I'm talking about. That we are actually transforming our own desires, maybe our own selfish wishes, in order to serve the community around us, in order to truly change the world around us so that they can really see and know what it is that God wants from us. The big thing is that it's really more than me. God wants something more than me. He really wants us to go out and change the world. I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes we get caught up in the blessings that God has given us. And He does, doesn't He? He blesses us so tremendously and here. Paul himself, or his writer, is, is saying those things. God has blessed us in the spiritual realm. He has blessed us with these spiritual blessings. And he emphasizes that word spiritual. They're not material blessings. They are spiritual blessings. What are those blessings? He, he makes a list of them here. We have redemption. And the idea of redemption actually goes back to when the Jews are in slavery in Egypt. And Moses comes along and leads them out of slavery. They have been redeemed to a new life, and that's the same for us. We were in slavery to our old life, and God has brought us redemption. 
God gives us forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his death on the cross. We are able to experience forgiveness and grace and mercy because that's what God intended for us. And then again, Paul uses that word mystery. That's one of the blessings that God has given us. It is a mystery, but he has revealed it to us. He has let us know what it is that he is doing. He has told us his plan. He has given us the information. And now we have new hope. Because we finally understand what God is doing in this world. We understand what he was doing before time. And now it has come to fruition, come to the the climax in Jesus Christ. So what do we do about that? It requires a change in us to truly change our mind, to change our focus, to change our desires so that we are in line with Jesus, that we actually live in Christ. We are living for change. We are living for hope in what God is doing in this world. Now, a couple times, maybe you noticed, uh, Paul used some special words like chosen in verse 5. He chose us in Christ. Verse 4, and then verse 5 says, He destined us for adoption as His children from the foundation of the world. This has been God's plan all along. And God started with Abraham. And we talk about the Jews as God's chosen people. But it seems like the Jews misunderstood what that meant. They heard that they were God's chosen people, and they thought that meant that they were special. Well, God's going to bless us, and the rest of the world, well, who knows? doesn't matter for them. But God's going to bless us. He's chosen us. But the difference is that God chose them for a purpose, to bring his message to the rest of the world. And so now today we're in the church, and we fall into that same trap. We're no different. We seem to think, well, God's chosen us. He's delivered us. He redeemed us. rest of the world, oh, it doesn't matter. Let them go. Not at all. Somehow we get the wrong idea that chosen somehow means special. And what it really is trying to say is that he's chosen us for a purpose, and that purpose now has been revealed, that we will go out and bring all people together, that all people may be able to experience what God is trying to do in this world, that we will be holy and blameless before God and live out that calling that God has for us. Every blessing in the world God has given to us. He has blessed us in every way. Those blessings still continue to come to us. But I'm afraid that we get a little caught up in selfishness. That we begin to think, well, those blessings are for me to enjoy, right? I'm supposed to get those things. I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. I want to be wealthy. I don't want to have problems in life. And isn't God there to kind of solve all those issues for me? Doesn't he take away all my problems and let me live just kind of a carefree life? He really doesn't, does he? 
There are always going to be concerns. There are always going to be problems. There are always going to be things that we have to face. So why has God given us blessings? It's not for our glory. It's for His. Now in this passages that I read here, these verses, there are three times that Paul talked about the praise of His glory. We are to live for the praise of His glory. One of those times is in... uh, I didn't write the verse down, but three times it's in there. To the praise of His glory that we will be able to live for God's glory. It's not for our glory. In fact, I think one of the hardest things to face is that there's a lot of times in life that maybe we even say God failed us because we pray for something and we don't get the answer that we want. Maybe we have a family member who is sick and we pray for their healing and they don't get healed. Or we have trouble at our job and we're praying for something to happen there and it doesn't happen. Or maybe it just doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. You see, it's not about us. It's not about our own wishes. And that comes out strong in another letter, this letter from James, James chapter 4. And James tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. That in itself is a very strong message. If we have a need for God, we need to ask God. And God's a loving Father. He wants to help us too. But then he goes on. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, I think we see God as a genie in a lamp. And it just so happened that the movie came out, I guess this week, well, I haven't seen it yet, but isn't it amazing? You rub the magic lamp, and out pops the genie, and he grants you three wishes. That's what we want from God, right? God, make me happy, healthy, and wealthy. Those are my three wishes. <laughs> it's as if we control God, and God has to grant exactly what we say. It doesn't work that way, folks. You see, we submit to God's plan. We join together in God's body. And we serve His plan, His purpose in this world. And it might not be the things that we want. And so we trust Him that it will be something for the kingdom. It might not be the fulfillment of all of our own personal dreams, but it will fulfill God's dreams. You see, it's not about me. That's a hard lesson. I say that because, I mean, it's it's easy words to say, but I have to keep repeating that to myself. Anytime something happens, or anytime, especially when I pray for something, and I'm not getting what I want, okay, it's not about me. God is working his plan in the world. And can I say then also, it's not about you? (laughs) It's not your own personal dreams. It's not your own wishes. It's not your own desires or whatever it might be it's not about us you know the hard thing is 
when I really think about it, I have to realize I'm going to lose. In this life, in this world, I'm going to lose. And so are you. Look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, He went to Philippi, and they didn't like the way he was preaching, so they took him and beat him, and he had a partner with him, Silas. Paul and Silas, they beat them and threw them into jail. This is in Acts chapter 17. And the way the verse changes, right right there it says they they were sitting in jail, and about midnight they began to sing praise to God. Now it seems like to me that there were a few hours in there when they were sitting maybe even crying about their fate. Oh, this really hurts. I, I can't believe they did this to us. But finally, somewhere about midnight... They decided it was time to praise God again. And they began to praise God, and there was an earthquake that shook. And the jailer came, and he was about to kill himself until Paul shouted, No, we're all here. We're still here. But God was at work, even in that horrific persecution that they faced. Do you understand that Jesus failed In human terms, I mean, he accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. But when we look at his life, Jesus failed. They killed him. They killed Jesus. But God raised him from the dead. And next week we're going to talk about that. The power of God at work in Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' own power. It was the power of God at work in Jesus. When you look at the human life, just Jesus' human life, he failed. But God used that to bring salvation to all mankind, to all of us. That's how God is at work. It's not really a happy thought to think that uh, everything that I do... (laughs) is somehow just going to vanish, wash away. And yet the things in our lives that God sees, He will pick up in order to bring deliverance to others around us. That's the mystery of how that happens. It looks like our lives end needlessly, senselessly, But God is at work doing something bigger. God is at work doing something more. More than what we could hope for. More than what we could do on our own. In order that our lives might bring Him glory. So what I'm saying today is to live for His glory. The greatest example of that really is Job. Uh, Job had it all, and God had blessed him, this time materially, physically. God had given him many blessings in life. And then Satan appeared before God and said, what happens if you take all those away? So he'll curse you. The only reason he's serving you is because you give him all those blessings. And so God said to Satan, okay, try it out and see. I'll show you what he'll do. 
And step by step, Satan took away all the things that Job had, his children. Major loss. All of his crops, all of his animals, his, his lands, everything was taken away from him so that he was destitute and had absolutely nothing. And yet Job refused to turn away from God. There's a song that we sang a long time ago. I don't know if you would know it. Many of you, I mean, this has been over 20 years. Uh, but it's a song that I, I really used to like because I think it expresses the very message here that we need. And it goes, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing I desire compares with you. Nothing I desire compares with you. I could take all the silver, all the gold, all the diamonds in the world, and it wouldn't be what God does for me. And so I want to ask you today, what if you did lose all of those things? All of those things that we think are important in life. If you lost them all, would you still hold on to God? That's what Paul was talking about here. That we are living in Christ. And in Christ, we have those blessings. It might not be what the, the world considers to be blessings, but they are blessings that will far succeed anything else in this world. We're not living for ourselves. We are living for the glory of God. And whatever happens to our lives, it really doesn't matter. Because we become a witness to what God is doing in this world. And through us, God is changing that world. As Daniel and Jim come up to lead us in our last song. Maybe for you, what is there in your life? Or maybe even more, who do you know that you can share that with? That you can say to them, God wants so much more from us. He is blessing us, but why is He blessing us? Not to use for ourselves, but so that we can share with those around us. So that we can live together as God's people in God's body and join Him in changing this world, transforming this world into His kingdom. Stand with me as we pray. Father, thank You for this day for your grace at work in our lives and for all that you do so wonderfully bestow upon us. Help us, Father, as we seek to live out day by day what it truly means to be your church and to bring other people together that they might experience as well the life that you want to give us. In Jesus' name we pray.